Looking Deep is a podcast that seeks to understand varied and unique perspectives about life for our audience and our planet. We operate under the ethos of no judgment, only leaving space for understanding in the hopes that in learning about the lives of others, we uncover a deeper truth for ourselves. Looking Deep is hosted by Kareem Watermore and is followed by an after show featuring Julia Chatwin. Thank you for joining us and let the show begin. Hello, everyone. It's Kareem Watermore, and I'm welcoming you to another fantastic episode. I'm so honored to have this guest today. We're talking to Alexis DeMarco on this edition of Looking Deep. Alexis is someone I've known for a while, I would say. I think I met you back in 2007 when I did a short documentary, She. So, Alexis, can you introduce us to your audience and kind of tell us who you are? Well, my name is Alexis DeMarco. I am a human rights defender here in the Commonwealth of the Bahamas, basically down to earth, fighting for the rights of our citizens here in the Caribbean island of the Bahamas. And how did you grow up? What made you want to be a defender of human rights? And what human rights are you essentially talking about when you say that? Well, I'm a self-identified trans woman living in the Bahamas. The personal for me became political. So the human rights that I'm defending is my own existence to be able to navigate in this country called the Bahamas. Yeah, I hear you. And I'm a stronger believer that the personal is, is political because, you know, sometimes our bodies and who we are can be politicized. Um, art right. is politicized. So can you tell me, like, how did you grow up the beginnings of Alexis? Well, Alexis knew from a very young age who she was. It all started for me when I was in school and I told the teachers, hey, you have me on the wrong line. And it raised a red flag for most of my family and teachers, because at that time, they called my parents and they're like, um, your child told us they're on the wrong line, where they had boys on one line and girls on the other. And I said, hey, you have me on the wrong line. So it raised a kind of red flag. And that's when first my self-identity started to be questioned by my family, by my parents, putting me in institutions to be able to find out if there's a mental issue going on, if there's some psychological issue going on. So for me, growing up, it was very stressful being able to navigate and find my place as a trans person not understanding that that's what I was at that time it had nothing to do with my sexual orientation it was who I was identifying so being able to navigate through school systems being able to just exist without the pressure of um, religious dogma or religious doctrine embedded in your life that hey you're a bad person or you're the worst of I guess what they call sinners based on being from a Christian nation and being from a Christian family. So for me, it was kind of rough growing up in that environment. So for me, I think my experiences in life helping now to be able to help others so they won't go through the same things that I went through. And that's important. So how old were you when you, when this sort of came to head with your teachers and your parents? I think I was around five, grade five or six. I know it was in primary school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, around grade five, I think I was about 11 or so. And that's when I knew that, hey, something wasn't right. Yeah. And how did your parents take it? Well, I mean, back then, they didn't have any information as it relates to trans kids or transgendered individuals. They just saw it as a sexual orientation issue. Oh, I'm going to have a gay child. So that was kind of an issue being from religious society and their religious beliefs trying to grow their child. So I think for them it was more fair of the things that they heard about 
LGBTI people. So their protection for me, I guess, was very strict and strong in that particular area. And can you tell me, obviously, some people don't really know the difference between sexuality and gender. Can you explain that for our audience or people who don't know? Yeah, so there is a difference. There's a vast difference. And I think this is where education and sensitization needs to come in for our decision makers and our gatekeepers. So sexual orientation in the community, LGBT meaning lesbian, meaning gay, meaning bisexual, that's who the person is attracted to, who they go to bed with. And gender identity is who they go to bed as. So gender identity is how you identify as a human being in this existence, how you see yourself inwardly. Mm. And the only similar, and please excuse me if I'm speaking out of turn, but from Mm -hmm. my opinion, the only similarity that it is, is because I believe that these things are innate in you. Would you agree? Yeah. I would agree. The thing about it is, is you identify as male and you know that you're male, you align with that. So we will call cis males, cis males, for a woman who identifies biologically with how she was born, she's a cisgendered female. Mm-hmm. So for trans people, it's more of your brain telling you something else and your body parts are showing something different or you're in a binary system that just looks at your outward appearance instead of your inward. Yeah. And in our family, well, not in our family, but in our chosen family, my biological family, we have some trans, some people that are in our lives and one thing, you know, and we've seen people transition. And the one thing I've noticed, especially when someone transitions, that how much happier they are because it, it's yeah. a sort of freedom and release. And yeah. it wasn't until I got to intimately know trans kids that evolve into trans adults um, mm-hmm. to see, you know, that's innate. It's something you mm-hmm. cannot change. It's something right. inside of a person. Um, Correct. That it is. And yeah. I think that people have a really tough time understanding that. And I think sometimes gay people who are uh, cisgendered really are the most vocal and can be the most mean about it. Have you encountered that? Yeah, within our own community, there is stigma and discrimination against mm-hmm. um, trans people because for them, they don't understand it, especially in the Caribbean region. You know, again, I always tell people trans is a medical issue, it's something on the inside of the individual. Your brain tells you who you are, and the brain is an organ. So in our community, I think because we have so much intersectionality and it's not recognized and it's not appreciated, we begin to judge others because they're different. So in our own community, we're judged, and on our outside community, we're judged. I've encountered persons who, I mean, if you look at some of these parties, they're telling no fats, no femmes, no trans. So we exclude from our own community within for other persons not to be a part. So I've experienced that and I've seen that. But I can say in the Bahamas there's been a shift as it relates to gender identity and sexual orientation. People are now beginning to understand that there is a vast difference. So they're identifying these things probably with their young kids or their young adults, and they're trying to seek the best remedy there is for those individuals. That's really positive to hear. And tell us more about you. So you, the inkling of you finding out that your trans happened in primary school and you move on to high school. What was that life like being at a high school in the Bahamas and knowing that you're trans? Were you able to confide in anyone how you felt or? No, not at that particular time. I mean, 
going to doctors and they holding up black black cards i can clearly remember and the doctor asked what do you see i said i see butterflies what do you see i see myself running through a garden of flowers you know so for me growing up in high school it was more of coming to terms with who i am and having this internal fight that was totally different from other people just having to do well in school excel in school and not having these battles in their mind about who they are so it was so bad for me i never even used the high school bathroom like the boys bathroom i would always go into the tuck shop where they would sell the hot potty and drink and use the janitress's bathroom that's how bad my dysphoria was and i think growing through that experience and realizing who i was when i go home i would lock up i would just like be in my own world in my own mind like how do i deal with this and wasn't until i went from high school and left the bahamas for a short period of time i met people in the us who said hey you're trans you're like us i could have identified persons who were just like me and that's how i was able to get some help to navigate through life to become a better adult and was that freeing for you when you had oh it was total had- total liberty because you had somebody you could identify it was beyond a drag queen it was beyond entertainment it was beyond sexual acts it was being free to be yourself so though it came with its challenges such as accessing healthcare and road to employment back then the US didn't have the hiring of trans people and like the progression that they have now so the only thing was sex work and you had to survive in order to pay your bills to keep a roof over your head to buy hormonal treatment so for me my experiences has taught me like in this life journey you're never going to pass anything you know everything is for a learning program process in a learning time period because that's really wonderful to, that's very illuminating for me to hear how you sort of approach you know your life mm-hmm. and so you were there for the US for a while did you come back home yes i came back to do this work and that's why i'm an advocate because the experiences that i had and the knowledge that i had i knew people in my community was going through the same thing but they didn't have a voice they didn't have anybody to identify they just like heard about it but to actually be in country and work and to be able to help others now that work has now expanded into the caribbean region where i advocate for trans and intersex people in the caribbean region who are still behind as it relates to the policies and procedures of human rights and how being who you are is important and being denied basic access to healthcare education basic human rights needs like alerting them to these issues that they face as trans citizens living in the Caribbean. So everything I went through has prepared me for where I am today in life. Hmm. What Caribbean country do you think has the furthest to go in terms of moving forward with equality for trans rights? Well, I think we still have countries that still happen to criminalize same-sex intimacies, for example, in the Caribbean and throughout the world. So I think the greatest fight for our LGB brothers and sisters is being able to legally consent to having sexual intercourse with each other and being in a same-sex loving relationship without facing murder or without facing imprisonment so the way to go for many caribbean countries as far as it relates to trans rights and gender identity we still have a long way to go in the caribbean region i just can't pick up one caribbean region because there's still no gender markers there's still not access to healthcare there's still no access a pathway to your hormonal treatment these things are still not available in country because of the resources and persons who are not studying endocrinology to be able to deal with trans citizens so i think we have made some progress as we relates to stigma and discrimination but as relates to 
access the services, we still have a little long way to go. And I know I follow you on Facebook and you tend to be an advocate for justice mm-hmm. uh, for LGBT people in terms mm-hmm. of the fact that there are many people that have been victims of crimes that have gone unpunished. Correct. Um, Correct. Is that a big part of your work too? And can you share a little bit about why you are focused on that as well? Yeah, social justice is very important in the part of my work because what it is, as a human being, as a citizen of a country, it's not privileged to you. It is your right to have certain things such as education, such as access to health care, such as to be able to access the justice system without impartiality. And I found that in my region, we had a lot of persons who were murdered within a time period and they never had full access to justice. These crimes go unheard of or swept up underneath the rug or these persons are either given a lesser charge, the perpetrators, when actually they are involved in same-sex relationships because either their family found out or their wife found out, they would use terminologies of the protecting oneself against a homosexual individual. And that really raised an alarm for me. And when you had the former chief justice making comments that one must protect themselves from homosexuals, that ignited behavior for people to just say, okay, this is a license to do what I have to do. You know, so for me, that was very important, being able to start holding our justice system and our courts accountable to the murders of LGBTI citizens within country. I think you're referring to the gay panic defense, right? Correct. Gay panic defense. Yes. Which says that you can, you know, if someone hits on you, you can like, yes, kill them, even though you knew them and you were in a position where that was possible. That you Correct. know to be a possibility. Or, you know, there's other ways to look at it. Like, obviously, what you said before, like, maybe these people are in the closet themselves and using that defense to get away. Correct. And that's a serious concern. Yes. And tell me about trans. Are you able to change your gender on your legal documents that reflects how you feel inside? Is that possible for trans women and men to do in the Bahamas? Well, we are trying to make a pathway to gender identity recognition. We've been in talks with the Attorney General's office as to how we're going to do this. Do you know the passport is an official document? And using the passport, it's gendered, but the national insurance card isn't gendered. You can change your name through deed poll, but those gender markers are still barriers for our country and persons who are trans citizens living here in the Bahamas. So in talks with the Attorney General on a pathway to gender identity recognition, so We're trying to see over the next two years how we're going to accomplish this through consultations, through different agencies to make this pathway for trans citizens. We are in progress. I think that's important for people to be properly gendered. Correct. Yeah. Yes. And can you tell me what kind of discrimination exists in the workplace for trans people that you've encountered in our country? Well, we do have discrimination in the workplace against trans individuals. They are still living below the poverty line based on the existence, their very existence of being trans. Persons would use excuses as, oh, a distraction to the company. They would prefer to hire probably somebody who is masculine presenting or gay, but very masculine presenting and macho in their mannerisms. But as far as a trans person, a trans person can't hide because every day they are who they are. Some of them may not have the transitioning of facial feminization or the other processes to look the way they would like to look. So for them, it's kind of like barriers. And there are no laws to protect trans individuals in the workplace, nor LGBTI, LGBT people, citizens here in the Bahamas. So the 
discrimination, there's no anti-discrimination law as it relates to sexual orientation or gender identity in the Bahamas. And what is your ultimate goal, you would say, moving forward? Well, my ultimate goal is actually to see the Bahamas as an inclusive society where we do add the clause gender identity and recognition in our documents when it relates to stigma and discrimination, when it relates to the Employment Act, when it relates to access to health, access to education, that no citizen is left behind, including LGBTI Bahamas, based on their sexual orientation or their gender identity. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, we're a 20-minute show. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's fine. And I felt it was very, very important to speak to you because you are someone that is unafraid to help your community uh, yes. to tell these stories. And if you don't tell these stories, it's just like they never existed. And so yes, people need to exist. People that are discriminated against, the people that we've lost, Correct. And people that are yet to come. Yes. So thank you, Alexis, for talking to us. No problem. We appreciate it, and we appreciate you. All right. Thank you for inviting me. Take care. All right, Kareem. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Looking Deep. For more resources, please check out our website for our show notes for this episode. Coming up, our after show, Looking Deeper, will begin. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Looking Deeper, our after show of our main podcast, Looking Deep. I'm joined here with my wonderful, beautiful co-host, Miss Julia Chatwin. Hey, Julia. Hey, hey. How's it going? It's going. How are you? I'm all right. Thanks for the compliment. I appreciate it. Well, you know, that's what, I, <laughs> that's what I'm rich in. That's my current <laughs> <thing>. compliment. <laughs> so uh, we just watched another episode, a short episode with Miss Alexis DeMarco. Yes. I think I've known Alexis maybe, I would say like 13 or 14 years. I did a, a short documentary in 2007 called right. She, which was a look at some transgender women in the Bahamas that were in a dry competition right. uh, in Nassau. And that's when I met Alexis. And she was very well respected. She had taken a lot of young GLBT youth under her wings as a mother, really. Right. And she's just transformed since that time into a fierce advocate for LGP, LGBT rights in the Caribbean. I don't know where that P came from. Well, P could mean pansexual. It's part of the group. It's just, right? Yeah. LGP, LGBTIQ. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And then there's the A, because there are asexuals. There are plenty, you know, that's the, the, we're learning. As we go, we learn. There's so many different groups a person can find themselves as a part of, you know? Yeah. It's not as binary as we used to think. Of course. Of yeah. course. Yeah. So we had a really great talk with her. What were your summation? What particularly moved you in this podcast? Um, well, I think the thing that really, really got to me, it's an issue that I've heard of before uh, quite a few times. But, you know, every time somebody brings it up, it kind of, it brings up a lot of emotions in me is, for example, what they call the 
what is it, the gay panic defense or something that some heterosexual men do. And sometimes it's, they're not even necessarily heterosexual. I think, in my opinion, sometimes they believe they are themselves not heterosexual and then they get really angry when they're faced with that, right? So if they end up going home with a woman who is not biologically or physically what they expected her to be, they find themselves in the right to beat them up or to kill them because they get so offended that their partner wasn't the exact specifications that they wanted their partner to be, you know, and that really, that really got to me because I think, you know, here in the Caribbean, there is this really conservative culture where, you know, they go like men go with women and that's it. Men who go with anybody else or sissies and a man who could be tricked into gay sex by an evil trans woman who's really just a lady, a man in a dress. And you're like, wait, what? All of this is stupid. All of this is stupid. Nobody should feel that they have to conform to these standards. But even if you are angry, you should never feel like you are in the right to beat somebody up just because you felt offended by their belief. Yeah. And I think if you do feel that way, maybe you need to investigate some sort of things that are inside you. Yes. To address. I'll tell you this one story. I remember when I used to work out of a company and there used to be a construction site across the street and I would go into work every day. And one day I was getting lunch at a little restaurant on the street. And one of the construction guys like asked for my number. Right. And I just didn't know. I was kind of shocked. I didn't know what was right. happening. And so I just kind of blew it off and I was just kind of freaked out about it. And I just blew it up. I was like, no, I don't think so. I don't know what's happening. And yeah, so, you don't want to walk into a trap. Yeah. So every day for three months, however long it took to make that building, to build that building, I was harassed with like very homophobic slurs from, you know, and I was like, isn't this the same fool who wanted the number? Right. <laughs> so it yeah. was just like really, 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 really intense moment until I had to go to the owner and, and was like, listen, this is happening and this needs to stop. Yeah. And it eventually did. But sometimes right. I, I feel like people with the most virulent stance on these issues are usually the people that are fighting it the most. And I think that happens in a lot of areas in life, you know? When somebody reflects something about yourself that you don't like, you're much more likely to get very angry as opposed to when somebody does something you don't want, you might get like a little miffed, a little annoyed, but it goes away. But when you see, when a person like intentionally or unintentionally holds up a mirror and makes you confront this part of yourself that you wish was not a part of yourself, Ooh, that's when the bomb explodes. Yeah. Right? Yeah, agreed, agreed. It's a thing, and I hope that we are moving. I do think that progress is being made. Like, you know, obviously where I lived 10 years ago, the position of the general public wasn't Mm -hmm. as it is now. And the fact that, you know, Alexis can stand in the community and be respected Mm -hmm. and be in the newspaper and do her work throughout the Caribbean is really wonderful. And it's so great that we had the opportunity to talk to her at this point in her career and development as a human being. No, it's really cool. And I have to say, damn, she's brave, man. I don't know that if I were in her position, I would be as brave as she was. You know, sometimes I'm like, no, no confrontation. I'm just going to go somewhere safer now. Bye. You know, 
Um, but she was like, no, you know what? I'm from here. I deserve to be loved here. I deserve to be respected here. I deserve to make my place. And so does everybody else who's like me. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to fight. Even though, in a way, depending on who she encounters, she's putting herself in harm's way. And she's making that sacrifice. And I think that's beautiful and brave and terrifying. Yeah, it is. It is. But, you know, we're so lucky to have, well, mm-hmm. the country is so lucky to have, the region is so lucky yes. to have something like that. And yeah. you know, we give her all the props. I encourage anyone that's listening to the podcast on our after show to see how mm-hmm. they can support whether you're gay or straight. Because, you know, I think we both operate in the ethos like, you know, we're not all free until everybody, every one of us, you know, yeah. are free. And so, no, it's true. Yeah. Send us some love and some encouragement and, you know, whatever you can do. Or be a nicer person, understanding, yeah. tolerant person. What is it? I remember seeing this thing. It was like called the little pocket Bible. And it's so tidy. It's just a little piece of paper folded. And you open it and it says, you know, don't be a dick. Like, that's all you need. All you need to go through life is that one rule. Don't be a dick. Right. You know? Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Well, that's it for this edition of our after show I want to thank you guys for also being so great and listening over the last couple of weeks of our show. We really appreciate it. We really appreciate if you tell your friends about it and just always send us a message. Reach us on Facebook or our site uh, and let us know what you think. Right. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.